Welcome to the Movie Planet Podcast. This week we are talking about 1990s, The Hunt for Red October. With Joe. I'm a politician, which means I'm a cheat and a liar. And when I'm not kissing babies, I'm stealing their lollipops. And JC. He's nearly a legend in the submarine community. He's been a maverick his entire career. I actually met him once at an embassy dinner. Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me today is the Marco Ramius to my Jack Ryan. JC, how are you, JC? Uh, am I the multilingual uh, Lithuanian, Russian, Scottish, English, <laughs> American cowboy? You are, and Sans Ponytail. Sans Ponytail, that's yes. true. Now, are, are you young and dramatic, uh, Alec Baldwin? Or are you old and I'm old, hilarious? I'm old Fat 30 Rock Alec. Old Fat, okay. Yes. So the popular one. That, the, yes, the one that everybody likes. <laughs> exactly. No one remembers the young one. The, the young one that... Wait, he, Alec Baldwin was in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh my God, he was the first Jack Ryan. Exactly. Yeah. The most brilliant commander in the Soviet Navy. Ramey has trained most of their officer corps. He's nearly a legend in the submarine community. The most deadly submarine ever built. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington. Nobody'd know a thing about it until it was all over. And once more, we play our dangerous game with our old adversaries, the American Navy. His plan is a mystery. A man with your responsibilities reading about the end of the world. Apparently, he has suffered a kind of nervous breakdown in which he announced his intention to fly his missiles on the United States. He wants to help you hunt him down, kill him. Open the outer doors, firing point procedures. We sail into history. I'm going to blow him right to Mars. Ramius might be trying to defect. You're just an analyst. What can you possibly know what goes on in this mine? I'll give you three days to prove your theory correct. I am not field personnel. I am only an analyst. You're perfect. I'm expendable. He's defecting. You willing to bet your life on that? From the best-selling novel by Tom Clancy. From the director of Die Hard. Give this man a chance. My orders are specific. Battle stations. Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, James Earl Jones, Scott Glenn, Sam Neill. The Hunt for Red October. This week, we are discussing The Hunt for Red October, directed by John McTiernan from Die Hard 1 and Die Hard with a Vengeance. It was written by Tom Clancy. Who's that? Uh, the famous author. Oh, yeah, I, know, I know. Okay. And Larry Ferguson, who I don't know who he is, but I'm sure he wrote some other things. But the fact that's John McTiernan, this is our third McTiernan. It is. And uh, it's will also... Make, will he make us McTiernan-eyed? It is also the third appearance of another actor that you like. All right. No. I know. Starring Sa Sean Connery as Marco Ramius, Alec Baldwin Sam as... Sam Neill. Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan, Scott Glenn as Bart Mancuso, Sam Neill as Captain Bourdine. I would have liked to have seen Montana. He does get to in Jurassic Park. You'll never That's, get him out of Montana. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> like, whenever he's, like, saying, I really want to move to Montana. <laughs> well, you'll dig dinosaurs there in a couple <laughs> of years. Oh. <laughs> you'll never get him out of Montana. <laughs> James Earl Jones as Admiral Greer. Josh, Josh Acklin as Andre Lysenko. Richard Jordan as Jeffrey Pelt. Peter Firth as Ivan Putin. Tim Kurt. Tim Kurt. What did you just do there? Oh, I thought you were, mm -hmm, you were, like, Prince over there. Oh, no, my... 
I was jumping up and down, and my beard hair got caught on the mic, <laughs> and so I was trying to move the beard hair down because it was in my <laughs> mouth and on the mic, and it was weird. Tim Curry <laughs> as Dr. Petra. You asked, so I answered. Courtney Vance as Seaman Jones. <laughs> there it is. Okay, I was waiting for it. <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård as Captain Tupolev, and Jeffrey Jones as Skip Tyler. Jeffrey Jones of Howard the Duck fame. Oh, okay. I don't know who that is. Yeah. Howard the Duck. I know that. I don't he know was Jeffrey Jones. Okay, from Ferris Bueller. The principal. <gasps> oh. Yes. Got it. Yes. Also got caught with kitty porn, I believe. Oh. Yeah. Uh, this movie was well, made... Well, he, he played like a creep, so I guess it works. This movie was made for an estimated $30 million. Oh, it had to have made bank. Ranked in, ranked in $200 million worldwide. And not bad for 1990. No. 1990? Yeah. 1990? That's what I just said. Damn, <laughs> I didn't know this movie was that old. Oh, yeah. Uh, despite the intense overtone of the movie, this is John McTiernan's first and only PG-rated movie. Oh, yeah, it would be PG. There is there is nothing bad in this movie. No, it's such a good movie. Yeah, I mean, there's some gunfire. It's such a good movie. <laughs> I know you're going to rip it apart for standing I'm around, not, I, but this is a good movie. This is the first film of the Jack Ryan series that includes Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger with Harrison Ford, who plays yes. Jack Ryan. I did wonder watching this. I'm like, should we have done another series like the Jack Ryan series? Uh, the Sum of All Fears with Ben Affleck. Never seen that. And Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit with Chris Pine. Never saw that one either. Uh, I take that back. I saw it because we got net, uh, HBO for a while mm -hmm. on a special deal. The film starts out in Russian, then switches to English in an early scene as the political officer reads the passage from the Bible. About Revelation. I thought that was pretty cool. The switch occurs on the word Armageddon, which is the same in both languages, but pronounced differently. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. That's cool. Little, that is one of the coolest language switches I've seen in a movie. That's really, yeah. Well yeah. done, McTiernan. Well done, McTiernan. Even better. The, the close-up pans really, really slowly, and then he says Armageddon, and it yeah, pulls right like, back out again at right the same pace. It's right up to his mouth, yeah. and then it just backs away. That's cool. Now, speaking of Harrison Ford, Alec Baldwin accepted the role of Jack Ryan because Harrison Ford turned it down. Wait, so hold up. In the books, Hunt for Red October is the first book. Yes. In the movies, had Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger already been made? Nope. So Alec, okay, I always thought Harrison Ford was first and then Alec replaced. So Alec was first and yeah. then Harrison Ford replaces him. But Harrison Ford was supposed to be the role originally. I can't, gr let me say something. Yeah. I think Alec Baldwin does fantastic in this role. I really do. But now knowing that fact, mm -hmm. I wish Harrison Ford had been it throughout. Yeah, because it would have been just, a continuation. It would have been continuation. Uh, but that's not a knock on Alec Baldwin because he did really well. Cast member Sam Neill also benefited from Ford's refusal three years later by being cast in the lead role of Jurassic Park. They wanted Harrison Ford for Jurassic Park? To play Sam Neill's role. Nah, that, I'm happy Ford turned that one down because yeah. Sam Neill's better. Yeah, it would have looked like another Indiana Jones almost. Yeah, I didn't even think that way. I just like Sam Neill. Which can you get out of Chris Pratt and Jurassic World anyway? Sure. Yeah. Uh, after <laughs> now, this is my this is hysterical. After consultation with the wardrobe and makeup departments behind John McTiernan's back, Connery arrived on set for his first day of shoots with his hairpiece incorporating a ponytail. <laughs> Many years later, once Connery's potential influence had greatly waned, McTiernan stated in an interview with Sight and Sound magazine that he was fucking livid with Connery and that the Scottish actor tried to use his considerable heft with the studio, going over the director's head to pass the alteration with producers. 
It seemed as though Connery was to get his own way until midway through the second day shooting when director of photography Yann DeBont started laughing while reviewing the dailies, remarking to Connery that his ponytail looked like a limp swinging dick. <laughs> That's awesome. This soon became a meme among the crew, and by the end of the second day, Connery was so upset at the mockery, he relented, having makeup remove the alteration and forcing the reshoot of a key scene. McTiernan joked that the reported cost of the hairpiece, some $20,000, was mainly down to the cost of those subsequent reshoots, and that the hair scene in the final movie was merely a $10 bargain from a thrift shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, after the release of Tom, Tom Clancy's novel, Red October, some members of Congress contacted the CIA demanding to know why the Russians had invented a Caterpillar drive before the U.S. Navy did. Although a result of good research, the Caterpillar drive is pure fiction. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not <laughs> a real thing. Uh, two of the submarine captains in this film have actual Navy experience. Ooh. Sean Connery was in the Royal Navy before becoming an actor, and Scott Glenn spent three years in the United States Marine Corps. Scott Glenn. Is he the Dallas captain? Uh, yeah. Okay, thank you. Uh, and finally, due to his obligation to the film, to this film, McTiernan had to pass up the opportunity to direct Die Hard 2. Yeah, good call. Yeah, I would good say. Call, he, made a, he made a good move. <laughs> or would Die Hard 2 have been better? Well, even though it's still better than Civil War. I'm going to go with my reliance on what we know, and that is the script itself. Based okay. on the script, I can't imagine being much better. Okay. But that's the unknown that we have. That's the known we have. Were you excited about this movie? Yeah. And I realize it's probably been 10 years since I've seen it. Do you remember when you saw it for the first time? Yes, actually. I think. I want to say it was my father had the VHS. Mm -hmm. It was another movie I watched with him because it had the the black coming around the cover and then the bottom cover was wrapped around in red and it had them. It was a red VHS tape, wasn't it? No, because, we, had, because, we had a black VHS tape. Okay, because this was one of those movies that got the red VHS on it. Uh, okay, that's yeah. cool. But I'm, I'm just thinking the cover, and I remember taking it out and watching it. We had the, the old gray clap down with metal uh, buttons, and we're watching it. And I remember asking my dad just question after question. Mm -hmm. So I remember the first time watching it, I think I was too young to know what was going on. Yeah. And then in high school, so the first time I saw it, I don't remember a whole lot. But then in high school, I went on a huge Tom Clancy kick. Okay. Because my mother had all the Tom Clancy books, and she was going to throw them out. Mm -hmm. And I said, what are these about? And she started telling me about them. Oh, that's, and so I read them all. And then I found out that they were movies. And so I went back, and I fell in love with the movies because of the books. Okay. So I saw the movie first with my dad, didn't know what was going on. And I think my dad was getting annoyed at explaining it to me, so <laughs> I... So there's that. They're just standing around, kid. They're just standing around. Okay, <laughs> relax. <laughs> but I do remember then going back and reading the books, being so impressed with the books and amazed with the books because I read them fast, too. Mm -hmm. And then I watched all the movies, and I think my biggest pet peeve was why they stopped making movies. Because oh. I love the books so much, I'm like, why'd you stop making movies? Yeah. But back then, it was just the three because some of all fears hadn't been made yet. Gotcha. I had gotten into it before before Affleck took over. Yeah. Well, he was only one movie, so. That's true. Yeah. But I, I mean, I remember uh, seeing it for the first time at home, uh, and my father rented it, and I sat down and I watched, and he was like, "Hey, you watch this Sean Connery right here," and we're like, "Okay." And I, I must have been maybe twelve, thirteen, fourteen at the time. It, I mean, it wasn't around nineteen ninety; it was much later than that. So maybe I was fifteen at the time. But I, I remember watching it and going, "This was a movie that I thought, wow, this is what a grown-up movie really is." <laughs> 
like nice. this is a grown up movie. Like when you said you saw Meet Joe Black, it was like your first shot into the grown up. Yeah. Stuff. This is like one of those for me. It was like, oh, I gotcha. I'm supposed to like this because I'm an adult. That's yep. what it is. And I, th- I thought it was so cool. And, and it, I mean, I only saw it maybe three or four times between then and now. It's yeah. just one where I, I was like, I saw it. I know what the hunt for Red October is. And rewatching it for this was kind of like a, a born again feeling. Like, let's try it again. See if it, see if it works out. Gotcha. But uh, so I was excited. I was excited. In fact, this was one that you chose. Yes, this yeah. is one of the ones. And so I, I was kind of psyched. I was like, "Yes, Hunt for Red October." I've I've always wanted to look at this again. I did. I did. Uh, I chose this because I remember thinking it's such a great movie, mm. and we were talking <clears> a lot about like, well, when we do this, what are we going to want to talk about? And I just remember thinking, well, this is a classic, great movie. We need to talk about it. Yeah, it, and definitely in the war military genre, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that that's my experience with it. Uh, Want to get into the synopsis? Yep. Let's All go. Right. In November 1984, so I was going to say 1894. In November 1984, Soviet submarine captain Marco Ramius, played by Sean Connery, commands Red October, a new Typhoon-class nuclear missile submarine with a stealth Caterpillar drive, rendering it undetectable to passive sonar. That was the old VHS I remember watching uh, Red Red Hunt for Red October on. I knew what you were talking about. But it was like metal. It was all metal buttons. Yes. Like not the plastic. That That's when they built them to last. Yeah, they did. Uh, this is an interesting thing because I've seen a lot of John McTiernan movies, I think, at this point. The way this starts off doesn't feel like a John McTiernan movie. It almost it's, felt like a documentary. It did. It, it felt like I was watching an art <clears throat> film. Because about you know, an art film. No, here's the ocean. And then they would close up of Ramius' eyes oh, in the okay. ocean. All right. Well. And then you, then you hear his, his second in command, Samuel, go, it's cold. You know? Yes, cold and hard. And <laughs> that's what he says, okay? <coughs> but something happens after this which pulled me back from the kitchen as it was turning it was turned on. Because I, as I turned it on and I went to the kitchen to go do some cooking, the music. Oh. The Russian choir. Do, 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 do. Is phenomenal. Yeah, it, it's the only reason I know the Russian anthem. <laughs> it really is. It's it's phenomenal. And I love how it's juxtaposed with everybody getting ready for what's about to happen. Yep. Uh, and it's got that feel that it, it just, you, you this, feel Russian watching it. This is a larger-than-life movie. Yes. Uh, now, we don't know about the Caterpillar Drive yet. Nope. No. We find that out when uh, Alec Baldwin's character, Jack Ryan, goes to see his buddy Skip, who's and supposed do- And does his research stuff. Yeah, and... This is one of those things where they follow Alec Baldwin. Uh, they follow, I'm sorry. They follow Jack Ryan from the his home to the airport to James Earl Jones's office. And I thought when I first saw this, I was like, "Did James Earl Jones call him in?" And no, Jack Ryan just like, "I'm flying out there to see you because I got to talk to you about because this is important." Yeah, which makes me wonder how important is Jack Ryan that he can call upon these people to just give him an open door. I don't know. Apparently, so, pretty important. Yeah. So, or they respect him a lot. That that and that's it. They respect him, but then he has that one meeting with the, the uh, all the chiefs of staff, and they're all kind of like, you know, "What do you know, kid?" You, yeah. Uh, although James Earl Jones had one of the best. So Greer respects him. Admiral Greer yes. respects him. Yeah. He goes, "You're going to do the uh, presentation." <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Damn, Jack. <laughs> I uh, said, "Speak your mind," but. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> James, James Earl Jones is great as Admiral Greer. He really is. Yeah, he is. 
Ramius leaves port to conduct exercises with attack submarine VK Konovalov, commanded by his former student, Captain Tupolev, played by Skarsgård. Once at sea, Ramius secretly kills political officer Ivan Putin and relays false orders that they are to conduct missile drills off of America's east coast. Dun, dun, dun. What did you think about this scene with him sitting there with the guy? I thought it was pretty badass. And it also, like, like why? Like, as soon as you see the scene, it's like, okay, he just killed his political officer. Mm-hmm. Very American thing to do. And this was like... I remember before watching it, like, I didn't think of defection and all this stuff. I'm just like, yeah, huh, the guy seemed like a sleazebag and asshole, and he killed him, so why? I just wanted to know why. See, and when I, I didn't really know who he was. Okay. Because I thought he was, like, I thought he was, like, an XO on the ship. Yeah. That's what I thought. I didn't, I didn't think he was a political officer or anything. I, although the way that he speaks, he does lay heavy-handedly onto the table that we're talking about communism here. Yeah. Uh. Which, by the way, is this uh, 1984? Yeah. We're deep in Cold War right now, right? 1990 is when this was released. Yeah. Cold War ends in 91. Okay, so 84, we're deep in it. Yeah. Um, there's a nice little scene that Alec Baldwin has on the airplane where the stewardess says, hey, you okay with everything? I'm just worried about the turbulence. Yeah. Which is supposed to be metaphorical to the shakiness of the Cold War right now. Yep. Like, it's about to go down. We don't know when. Yep. Uh, but I do like the fact, first of all, how did he kill him? How did he kill his officer? Because I just, they just slam his head on the <coughs> Yes. So what he does is he is he pushes him back, slams his head to the table, which breaks his neck, and he's choking to death. Okay. Cause I'm like, that's going, why he's gurgling. He's choking to death, and he's just watching him choke. Yeah, because when I saw it. Which is cold. Well, the action itself wasn't very well filmed for a John McTiernan film. Because you don't know what it is at first. Yeah. And when you see him on the ground going, <gasps> you're like, wait. Did he get stabbed? What, what's happened? Is his no, foot on his, his, foot's not on his neck? What happened? He slammed his head on the table and broke his neck. Yeah. Now, the other thing I got a question is, these two guys have the keys. Yes. To get the mission orders. Yes. Which are in the box. Yes. Who puts the mission orders on the ship? Somebody else higher up? I don't know. Okay. So, I, I just thinking about security on this with, like, wouldn't one of them be the one responsible for putting him on there? Because otherwise... Anything could be in there. I didn't think that heavy into it. Like I, I, I didn't until the second time I saw it. And I was like, it's probably funny that neither of them knew what would be in there. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I mean it could be that. Oh, uh, what the hell's the name? It's not comrade, but whoever the head, honcho, not secretary of the navy. What, whatever the Russian equivalent for secretary of the navy, premier, or whatever it was. Okay. Like they tore all new vessels. And it could be that while they were touring the vessel, they put the put the yeah. orders in then. Because I, I the thing is, I could understand the nuclear codes being in there. Yeah, but I would think that the captain's going to go on a submarine with a whole bunch of men with the orders. He already. should have the orders with him. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think this is a good. I I think that although I've got a, a little bit of a nitpicky with it, I'm okay with the fact that it introduces the fact that now he's got both keys. Yes, he is the sole person in charge, and it introduces the fact that on a sub there was supposed to be multiple people in charge. Yeah, now it's just one. Uh, the next morning, CIA analyst and ex-Marine Jack Ryan, after consulting with Vice Admiral James Greer, briefs United States government officials on Red October and the threat it poses. A threat that he learns from Jeffrey Jones's character, Skip, yep. who says you could park 100 nuclear warheads right off the coast of New York and, and nobody know until it was over. Yep. And that's scary. That's scary shit. And even, I mean, 
that was something I remember when I was a kid. Like that one of the lines I remember was the parking of the warhead line. Yep. Uh, I like the fact that they're sitting there working out what it is. Uh, what are these doors? We don't know what they are. Oh, it might be a caterpillar. And yeah. they do a good job of doing the exposition in it without it seeming forced. I agree. You know, because Jack Ryan wouldn't know what it is. Uh, it does seem funny that nobody, like, we tried to make it work. It has no moving parts. Well, how does it move then? If there's no moving parts, how does it move? The water. Well, I didn't get that sense. I think what they were trying to make it seem like is it's a jet engine that's sucking it in. And so if you're creating suction, you don't necessarily, although, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense that they couldn't figure out how to do it Mulligan, because I don't know how the hell they did it. Is that it. the MacGuffin? It's a MacGuffin. You just got to accept it to move on. We could go there, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a MacGuffin. There you go. Oh, aren't you proud of me? Look at you. Yeah. Little boy's all grown up. You're a jerk. <laughs> you know, lovey. That's true. Officials in the briefing room learn that the bulk of the Soviet Navy has been deployed to sink Red October, and they fear Ramius plans an unauthorized nuclear strike against the United States. We've got a madman out there. Yes. And those are some of my favorite scenes in the movie between the Joint Chiefs, the Secretary of the Joint Chiefs, and the Ambassador for Russia. Mm -hmm. Because when I watch those scenes, it's like, so that's how they lie to each other's face. Yeah. Like, that's what, and and I was going to get into this later, but one of my pet peeves about this movie is I love this movie, Mm -hmm. but it assumes you know so much. And I think I love this movie because I read the books. And, yeah, the there, background knowledge. and there's so much that I learned in detail from the books. I think had I watched, because I've never watched this movie mm-hmm. outside of when I was a kid. I don't, don't remember it. But in the times where I remember watching the movie, I'd already read the books. Yeah. So I already knew about how the political climate worked, according to Tom Clancy, and why people were doing different things. And mm-hmm. I seriously think if someone watched this knowing absolutely nothing about the Cold War, nothing about how U.S. government works, like if you were a kid just watching this going in, the entire movie, you would be like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Because there's no exposition. They just do things without ever explaining it. Especially. Which is good and bad. I mean, it's good because it's more realistic, but it's bad because your audience doesn't know what the fuck's going on because you haven't explained it out yet. Yeah. Especially kids today. Yes. You know, the further removed you get from the Cold War, the harder to less... explain what it was. Exactly. And, I mean, this is a movie that I think is great in 1990. But I don't know if it holds up because that fear that we all felt doesn't exist. Doesn't anymore. exist. Yep, I completely agree. It um, kind of sucks because it's still a good movie, but good you movie. know that it's like dated now. But everything I'm saying that I really like about it, I have a background in the Cold War. Yeah. I have a background in what the characters are actually doing, and so when you when we talk about this stuff, I'm like, well, we only know that because we are 30 years old and we lived through it. Type yeah. Thing. Moving on, though. Uh, Ryan, however, hypothesizes that Ramius instead plans to defect and leaves to rendezvous with the American attack submarine USS Dallas to prove his theory. Meanwhile, Tupolev, though unable to track Red October, guesses his former mentor's route and sets a course to intercept. This is truly now a hunt. They've set it up. This is the hunt now for For the Red Red October. October. A couple of little things that are uh, passed over on this, and that is the introduction of the sonar guys on Dallas. Yep. uh, Which is an interesting little start. That's a great little scene. And Courtney Vance is great in that. He's so solid. Yeah. Uh, The way that they have the little story, the anecdote about him with Pavarotti. You know it's Paganini. Yeah. (laughs) That whole thing. If you're going to tell the story, tell it right. Tell it right. (laughs) 
But I liked it. How that's the thing. They have to if they're gonna start off on a submarine, you start with the guys who are the eyes. Yes. And it's something that I've always wondered, and that is how come they haven't made a submarine yet with windows? <laughs> that's true. Because you think- you're you're flying or you're swimming blind under there. Exactly. It's just, and I mean, maybe it's because you don't I, I don't know. Maybe if you got an answer out there, please let us know because I educate us. Tell yeah. us what's going on. I would think it'd be a lot easier to swim around under there if you could see where the hell you were going. They would make life a whole lot easier. Uh, of course, there's no light under there, so I guess you really can't anyway, right? Yeah, you may have just dark. answered your own question. That's true. Never mind about the those emails. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to just email us for being idiots and yeah. asking a stupid question without thinking it, then you can make fun of us. Yeah, if any, any naval officers out there want to just like blindside us with like you know insults, we're okay with that. Yeah, we got thick skin. Yeah, maybe not as thick as Hunt for October's, but you know what? Yeah. yeah. Moving on. Due to the actions of an unknown saboteur, I love that word, saboteur, saboteur, Red October's Caterpillar Drive fails during risky maneuvers through a narrow undersea canyon. Petty Officer Jones, a sonar technician aboard Dallas, has discovered a way to detect Red October using underwater acoustics and plots an intercept course. Ryan arranges a hazardous mid-ocean rendezvous to board Dallas, where he attempts to persuade its captain, Commander Bart Mancuso, to contact Ramius and determine his intentions. And those are all great scenes because, <clears throat> again, knowing how the Navy is supposed to work, you have this guy who, like, if you just take him at his word, sounds like a complete and utter crazy, <laughs> maniacal person. Yes. And they're literally being sent orders from their boss to do things, and he is saying, yeah, please listen to me, don't do that. And it's just like, this really is a crazy story, because for the amount of things that needed to go right in order for this to work, yeah, makes it a good drama. And like, even though it's a bunch of people standing around, when you actually, this is a thinking man's movie, when you actually think about the emotions behind what these men are doing and the decisions they're making, yeah. that's where the drama is. And that's why I still love this movie. But again... That's not going to work for kids of this generation, which this is leads not tra- into our audience later. This is not a traditional action movie. No, it's not. This is a thinking man's movie. There's also something that just popped in my head that I just noticed, and that is this is the second McTiernan movie we've gone over where the smartest person in the room is an African-American. Yes, it is. The computer hacker in Die Hard. And, and uh, this guy who's basically the yeah. computer hacker on the boat. Yeah. That's which, true. McTiernan, look at you go. There you go. Yeah. And uh, again, you're right. He says he sits there and he goes, "This is the this is my idea." He goes, "Listen, you've already sold me, okay? I know I'm gonna trust you, not them." Yeah. Uh, How'd you know he was gonna turn starboard? I took a guess. Took I a guess. A shot. <laughs> and I love that he's that honest with him. He's like, "Well, my Morse code Morse code could be so shitty that I'm sending him the the dates for the or the address for the next uh, Playboy model." Which by <laughs> the which by the way, did you know that the Red October model itself yeah. that they used in the movie was never in water? No, I didn't know that. Actually. Yeah, they they did the entire thing with smoke. Oh, yeah, that's I was like, cool. Actually, that is pretty neat. Huh. The Soviet ambassador informs the U.S. that Ramius is a renegade and asks for help in sinking Red October. Oh, now Why they didn't want to tell us this the first time. <laughs> <laughs> that order is sent to the U.S. fleet, including Dallas, which has found the Soviet submarine. Ryan, however, is convinced that Ramius plans to defect with his officers and convinces Mancuso to contact Ramius and offer assistance. Ramius, stunned that the Americans correctly guessed his plan, accepts. That, those, like, the look on uh, the Dallas commander's face when he's like, well, I'll be damned, when he sends the single ping back, mm-hmm. and when uh, Connery slams the, the bars up and, like, steps, ba- like, steps back, yeah. and it's just like, 
and figured it out. <laughs> like, th- that's just powerful stuff. Yeah. But you only get it if you're thinking about it. If you're just watching it, not really paying attention, like, what the hell happened? I wasn't really doing what's going on. It is one of the top five Connery performances. performances. Yep, I agree. Uh, he then Even s- though he's Russian with a Scottish, English, American, Irish accent. Well, anyway. none of them keep their accents. No. So <laughs> there's a big flow of accents that go on in this. Yeah. He then stages a nuclear reactor emergency, ordering his crew to abandon ship. After a U.S. frigate is spotted, Ramius submerges. Meanwhile, Ryan, Mancuso, and Jones come aboard via a rescue sub, at which point Ramius requests asylum in the United States for himself and his officers. Yay! This was very pro-U.S., pro-U.S., oh, rah, so rah, U.S. Pro- it was so pro-U.S. <laughs> but it was made in 1990, so, yeah. yeah, I get it. Red October is suddenly attacked by Konovalov. Konovalov? I love that, because you literally forgot about that guy. Yeah. So I, <laughs> they spent so much time away from them, you were like, oh, he's gone. No, they introduce <laughs> him. He's real intense. He's going to chase after him, mm-hmm. and then you don't see him for an hour. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's an entire hour, and then all of a sudden he comes back, you're like, that was actually really smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, Skarsgård probably shot all of his scenes and dialogue in like an hour or two <laughs> and was done. But his the way they bookended his scenes, like mm-hmm. that makes the movie. Oh, that, yeah. that intense, like, shit, it was about to work, and now everything's gone to hell. Yeah. And it's not even the saboteur's fault. Uh, he's tracked him across the Atlantic. As the two Soviet subs maneuver, one of Red October's cooks, Longinov, an undercover GRU agent, and the secret saboteur... Opens fire. Now, question: How do we find out he's an underwater or he's an undercover GRU agent? I don't remember his like, character. I'm, I'm thinking his character in the book was that. Okay, because as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, that's one of my pet peeves. I'm like, we never figure out why the cook is the bad guy. He could have been GRU, could be KGB. If at the beginning, when the officer's talking to Sean Connery before he kills him, he asks, "How do I know there's no KGB or GRU on this ship?" And he goes, "Well, I wouldn't know if they're on this ship." Yeah. So there's your allusion to it. Yeah, You know, it's a hard sell, but there it is. Yeah, I, I didn't catch that. And that was my one glaring thing. I'm like, we never do figure out how or why he's the saboteur, but then maybe we're not supposed to. So yeah. I was okay with it. He fatally wounds First Officer Borodine before retreating to the nuclear missiles bay, pursued by Ryan and Ramius. I would have liked to have seen Montana. Montana. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get him out of Montana. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Loganov. Uh, Loganov shoots Ramius, wounding him, but Ryan kills Loganov before he can detonate a missile. Uh, stop firing at the nuclear missiles. Yeah. <laughs> Don't shoot at things on a sub. <laughs> it's just the funny thing. I saw another thing, which was that the average distance for a shot in this was seven feet or seven meters. It's really hard to miss at seven meters. Yeah. Yeah. Then again, in the McTiernan movies, although he didn't do Die Hard 2, never mind. Nope. I was going to say, those ones, they always In Die Hard 1, they hit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, Red October makes evasive movers with a diversion provided by Dallas, causing Konovalov to be destroyed by its own fired torpedo. You asshole, you, are you arrogant ass? You've killed us all. <laughs> the crew of Red October, now rescued, watches the explosion from the deck of the U.S. frigate. Unaware of the second Soviet submarine, they believe that Ramius has sacrificed himself and scuttled Red October to avoid being boarded. (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't even know if I got that right, but it was close enough. Ryan and Ramius, their subterfuge complete, navigate Red October to the Penobscot River. Is that how you say it? Sure. Oh, I've in, never heard of the river. In Maine. Uh, Ramius Which is barely deep enough for a sub, because the river's got to be pretty deep to put a sub up it. Yeah. Did you say put a sub up it? Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> just, just let me know how it feels later. To deliver that. Right up there. Right up there. There you go. <laughs> Ramius admits that the reason he defected was that after he was handed the plans for Red October, a nuclear war first strike weapon, he concluded that he could never support such an action. From atop the submarine sail deck, Ramius, pleased to have made it to America, offers Ryan a quote from Christopher Columbus. Ryan nods in agreement and offers in return, welcome to the new world, sir. Oh, a tear. Yeah, except there wasn't actually a quote from Christopher Columbus. <laughs> no, it wasn't. He would have been like, this is mine. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked them. I would have liked the, the last scene to have been of them both fishing, but it was good, them atop the, the tower. Fishing? You went there? They both were. T- oh, seriously, they were both talking about fishing the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Whenever right. he was wanting to go ba- to America, he wanted to fish again. Yeah. And then Ryan was talking about how, well, my dad taught me to fish right off that island right over there. That's convenient. Or ended with them burying Sam Neill next to a velociraptor. <laughs> that would have been awesome. <laughs> In the remake, in, in the in the 20th edition remake yes. or whatever. That'd be the Criterion Collection. <laughs> uh, this one Oscar for Best Sound Editing. Okay, yeah. Which makes sense. The whole thing's Dong. predicated on sound. It is, yes. Uh, and it was nominated for Best Sound Mixing and Best Film Editing. Uh, you see this movie, what do you think afterwards? Uh, it's as good as I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy watching it. I enjoy watching it. It, it's one of those movies where when it's over, I'm like, holy shit, it's been two hours? It because flies. Because it doesn't feel like, for a movie where not a lot is happening, yeah. it flies. Yes, it goes past really quickly. And I don't know why, for me, what it was. I don't know if I, because it had been so long since I've seen it, I was expecting something different that had been created in my own head. Yeah. But the first time I watched it, I turned it off halfway through. I was like, I, this is not what I sat down to watch. Because yeah. I wasn't prepared for it. And, and that sort of goes into the what doesn't work. This is a movie where if you don't know the background or if you don't care about the subject matter, yeah. you won't care. If you don't care about the Cold War or don't care about the Navy, you're not going to like this movie. And that, that's the thing. You also got to be in the right frame of mind, I think, for it. You have to know what it is you're getting into. Yes. Uh, when we first did the show, we, you did Ex Machina. Yeah. You said that's a movie that you didn't know to be prepared for, and when you watched it, you weren't prepared for that. No. And so you maybe had a sour taste on it because you were like, this is not what I signed up for. Exactly. And for this movie, when I watched it the first time, I, I was like, nope, now I remember what this is. Yeah. And when I watched it the second time, I did enjoy it yes. for what it was because I was like, okay, But you need to know what it is going into it. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Uh, because you think Sean Connery, you think Alec Baldwin, this is Jack Ryan, the Jack Ryan that we remember from the last few movies. Well, we just said this was the first movie. I know that, but when people remember like the Jack Ryan from the last three or four movies, it's more like you know. Oh, so you're saying like watching it after you're expecting that this time? Okay. And so, I I enjoyed watching this again uh, the second time. The first time I did. I think this is a movie unless you have the background. If you watch this with nothing else, you didn't read the book, you have no knowledge whatsoever. Yeah. I can see people turning this movie off and being bored. Okay. But. This is a movie where if you actually put in the effort, you will get so much more out of the movie by kind of prepping for it in a way. Like, read a Wikipedia article about the Cold War yeah. or 
take a glance at the novels or read a synopsis of the novel and then watch the movie. Like, you'll get so much more out of it. So this is one of those movies, caveat, it's a great movie, but it's only a great movie if you prepare for it. It's not a movie you can just put in and enjoy without having a background about. With no females in it, outside of the uh, Alec Baldwin's wife and daughter. That's true. in it for about a minute and a half. Yep. This is a manly movie. It is, but it's also accurate for the time because there would have been no women anywhere on any of those ships. No. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I thought after watching the movie. So what worked well? Okay. Uh, Sean Connery works great. Every actor in this plays it great. Every actor is solid. McTiernan knows how to cast a movie. I agree. I think everybody <laughs> acts phenomenally. Yeah. And I, they play their part perfectly. They do a good job of balancing the Russian side and the U.S. side in this movie. Uh, so you can see what both are doing. You also see both strengths and both weaknesses. I know we made the joke this is a very pro-American movie. Yeah. Yes, with the resolution. Mm -hmm. But in terms of an actual fight, McTiernan does a good job of pointing out they're both terrified of each other. Yeah. The Russians are still formidable sub-people. So are we, mm -hmm. which is why we're trying to avoid interacting with either one. The other thing I think worked well is that this did not go into a McTiernan well of super violence all the time. No, it didn't. It, it was it it was very suspense. conservative. It was more suspense than violence. It was more suspense, but it also there were moments in this where you're like, okay, they could go off the wagon with the gunplay, with all that stuff. They could turn it into an action movie and they didn't. They kept yeah. it to what it was supposed to be and what it actually would have been. Yes. Uh, so I give John McTiernan a lot of credit for that because he could have been like, hey, let's Michael Bay this motherfucker. And he didn't. Yeah. I agree. Uh, uh, things that didn't work. All right, what I think didn't work well, the accents. That's always going to be a joke. Yeah. That The running accents joke is always going to be there. Yeah. And, hell, it's literally used. I think I was watching either the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit making of uh, featurettes, and they were talking about accents, and they're like, yeah, we can't read October this thing. So, like, it's a thing. <laughs> like, yeah. in acting circles, everybody knows, don't read October your accent type of thing, and so that just makes me chuckle. Which is funny because the, going from the Russian to the English was such a brilliant move Foot, uh, cinematically, and then after that, it was like, <laughs> yeah, it, the language just drops. Yeah, um, I don't know enough about sub tactics, but sometimes when I look at like those tight turns and how like mm. miraculous that last battle was, part of me is like, was that an F thirty five moment? Was oh. was that realistic in like how quickly that torpedo changed from going to duh, to duh, to duh. Yeah. I'm just like, would that actually work? And so that's where, when you were making the comment about Navy commanders, if they actually listen to us, which, wow, if they do. <laughs> um, like We salute you. What was was <laughs> the, the naval, because it wasn't Michael Bade, but I also don't know how accurate it was. Yeah. Like, were those actual naval tactics? Is that how a submarine would actually fight if they would have cut between the two, like the way the Dallas comes in, and they're like, way to go, Dallas! That's a great scene, Yeah, but is it believable? Like, would a Dal would a, a boat have been able to do that by meters and then swim off and, and still get around before the torpedo hits? Like, all of this is like, do they is there enough time for all of these moving parts to work? Yeah. And so that's the one thing, and I feel like it's a little nitpicky, but it's also the the whole reason for suspense. So I wonder if that was true. Yeah, I th and again, the last thing I said that doesn't work well, you have to have a background. Yeah, if you don't have a background, then you are not going to give a shit about this movie. It's a it's it's a shame. I think if they added ten more minutes to this movie, they could have filled in a lot of the background pieces. I agree, uh, and explained like 
the political climate or why uh, the Navy works the way it does, things yeah. like that. And going off of something I said, you know, I don't want to shit on Michael Bay here. The guy does pay a lot of good respect to the military that he does that stuff. No, he does, All but it's making... the military stuff looks good. The military stuff looks yeah. good. But I'm talking about the explosions. What the actual... Ex- yeah, yeah. No, that's different. Uh, but yeah, things that didn't work for me, it was also... The, it was uh, the companion pieces that I didn't have. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it, normally I, I I enjoy watching a movie and going, okay, here it is at the beginning. These are the rules you've set. Here's the ending. Okay, this is how we got there. I shouldn't need to read appendices to get there. I agree, yeah. Um, that being said... Which is why when I didn't have that knowledge, I didn't think it was a very good movie. Some of the dialogue... When you get did, that knowledge, you really like the movie. Some of the dialogue didn't fall very well. Uh, it wasn't delivered as well as it could have been, I think. Okay. Uh, but it's nitpicky stuff. It is. Tiny things. Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest one is just the companion piece issue. That's, yeah. that's, the, biggest, that's the biggest one. Yeah. So, who's the audience? Uh, the audience is for anybody that cares about submarines or Tom Clancy. Yeah. I, I hate to be that specific, but you're not going to enjoy this movie unless you have a background in the Cold War. If you're interested, a background what, in t- Tom yeah. Clancy or a background in the Navy in ni- 19, 1984 Navy. Yeah, you know. So, so if you care about the Cold War and Tom Clancy, mm-hmm. then you'll love this movie. Yeah, if you're in, but it is a good movie. If I you mean, are, I want to say general audience, but. You would need to know a lot going in. And if you're if you like the Jack Ryan movies, this is the one to start with. Yes, this it is. is the. I mean, it's not just the first; it is the beginning of that whole character. Yep. Uh, and I think from there goes to Patriot Games, which is Harrison, right? Yep. From this one, it's Patriot Games, then Clear and Present Danger. And I think that I think Patriot Games was two years later they did that. Yeah. It was like boom, boom, boom. Like mm-hmm. let's get them out there, and then they stopped for a little bit. It was like 10 years. And then they got Affleck to do some of All Fears, and then they waited another like 5, 10 years, and to they do got Chris Rogue Pine Day. to do Shadow Recruit. Shadow Recruit, yep. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Honest for the movie is exactly that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. In the war military genre, yeah. movie report card, JC, you've, you've graded the test. Yep. You give it back to the kid. What's it going to say on the top? So an A is where we start. Yes. Got to take off for the accent, so that knocks it to an A minus. All right. Got to take off for needing to have a background. That takes it to a B plus. Gotcha. And got to take off for whether for at least semblances of realism, so it is a solid B. For I me. had a B for mine. It is a solid B. Holy cow. Yep. Is this the first time we've given the same grade that's not an A? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Didn't we both give a D before? Yeah, we've given Ds and Cs. Well, you've talked time. me down to a point. Yeah, yeah. but this time I'm, I'm listening to you going like, yep, that's what I took it off for. That yep. I took it off for that. Yeah. So it's if, a B. If you, <laughs> yeah, if you take off for those things, it's a, it's a solid B. Yeah. And, uh, th- again, a B is above average. It's definitely one you got to see. Yeah. It, it is, in my generation, in our generation, a movie that you should see before you die. I don't know if it's a movie that for this next generation they should see before they die. Unfortunately, yeah, I don't know if my son's going to get a whole lot out of this film, which yeah. is saddens me because when our generation is dead, it's kind of like it's kind of like Pearl Harbor. Yeah. I mean, my son's going to watch Pearl Harbor, and it doesn't matter how many times I play the day that will live in infamy speech. He's not going to feel anything for that. Yeah. Like, we feel something for the Cold War because we lived through it. Um, We've had a lot of good ki- history in our previous ki- 100 years. Ki- kids already don't feel for 9-11, which is scary for me. Because, yeah. like, if you watch a movie about 9-11, they're just like, you can see that they don't care. Well, this is also or, the first or, generation. No, let me clarify. Uh, that was mean of me to say. It's not that kids don't care. Kids don't get it. Yeah. Kids don't understand why 9-11 is a big thing. 
in the generations we're teaching now. But this is also the first generation of kids who have been born and raised in a time of war. Yep. They've never not had America at war. Nope. And that's just strange. Because nope. when Desert Storm happened, it was such a big deal because, oh, my God, we're going to war. Yep. And it was over in, like, what, 100 hours? Nine, nine days. But the original strike was 100 yeah, hours. it was, like, three days, yeah. Uh, but then and you get but then it's, like, if it's all the time. I can see why these kids are numb to this because yeah. it has no impact. It's just, like, it's a way of life for them. Exactly. I get it. Yeah. So there we go. Two Bs on this one. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Uh, definitely don't skip this. No. Definitely don't skip this one. Well, that's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four- or five-star review. Tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at movieplanetpod, and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Soundjay Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. <laughs>